And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Two thousand eight, the prequel trilogy is over, and millions of fans are left without Star Wars. Enter a brave group of Jedi led by Dave Filoni, who brought tales of the Jedi, clone armies, and Mandalorians to Cartoon Network, thus keeping hope alive in the galaxy. Welcome to J Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone! Welcome to a brand new episode of J Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode for the last time of Star Wars The Clone Wars. In this episode, in the wake of Order 66, Ahsoka and Rex must work together to survive, and Darth Maul is being a little shit in the background. There will be... We've made it! We finally reached the end of The Clone Wars, for real this time! We're talking about victory and death this week. Oh, Chris. <laughs> I'm I not crying. A, you're crying. I um, I actually, like, this is this is a first, listeners. Um, this is the first time I didn't watch the episode beforehand to write notes. Because I, 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 of course, have seen this episode. But, you know, I will rewatch the episode to watch notes, to, to write notes. Um, I didn't, I didn't write notes this time, uh, or I'm sorry, I didn't watch the episode this time because I knew my notes going into it. And I also knew I would cry earlier today while writing notes. And I just decided, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to cry, I'm going to cry on the show. Did you, um, did you, do, why did do, do you like cry out and then you're done crying or did, did or did you just not want to cry twice? I would be in a different, um, I, uh, I would probably be a lot more exhausted. <laughs> I'd be t- much more tired. I know, I know me. Um, and I was already kind of tired today, but like, you know, I, my, my brain would already be in a different place and I wanted my brain to be in that raw place for this episode. Raw. Um, raw. Yeah, that raw, that raw, raw, thin raw place for this episode. Um, yeah, but I will say as I was watching the background notes and writing the background notes, I was getting emotional. Like I was watching the Clone Wars download and like listening to Dave Filoni, like talk about this final episode. I was getting like, I was tearing up and just like, <laughs> and I was like, Chin I'm and bottom lips started quivering. Oh God. Yeah. Like my eyes are watering. Like when I was, I, I was clicking through the episode pictures. Cause like, I, I already planned to not watch this episode. Like, cause I, I know me, but I at least clicked through the episode pictures so I could like kind of remember my notes. Cause there was a couple things like here and there. I just wanted to just refresh myself on. And even just clicking through the episode pictures, like seeing Vader holding the lightsaber. I was just like, oh, it's just the picture. <laughs> and I was like, where's my cats? <laughs> need a cat an emotional support cat right now <laughs> oh oh no no i i knew me i i prepared myself <laughs> i'm gonna i'm not okay i'm not okay i'm not gonna be okay when i see jesse die again jesse's gonna die uh <laughs> how are you doing chris you having a good week so far yeah i am yeah we got to see bo katan and the mandalorian that was cool yeah that was cool uh it's really uh it's it's really one of those rare things when you get to see the voice actor actually plays the part and it was the voice actor that came first usually it's like you know you get the star who was in the movie to do their voice again for the cartoon but 
Yeah. And I'm I'm assuming that they maybe modeled her after the actress a little bit because boy, they look you know, I mean they, they gave her the hairstyle, but she's she's fits the part. It, it was kind of funny because uh, Bo-Katan should actually be close to her 50s and should should be right around the age of 50. And everyone's like, wow, she looks so young and stuff. Because Katie Sackhoff's like 42 or something, like 43, 42. So like she's close, but not like like in her 50s, like Bo-Katan should be. And I think it was uh, Molly Mandalorian, Damon. Mandalorian, don't crack. Well, I was about to say, I, I think it was M- Molly Damon from Star Wars Explained. She was just like, they wear masks all the time. There's no sun damage. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? True, true. Good skincare. That's Bo-Katan's secret is really good skincare. <laughs> That's true. They should all be really pasty, though. They should all, <laughs> like, pasty and have, like, thin hair and just be, like, you know, like moles when they come out of their Mandalorian outfits. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. All, sh- all sh- like, skin all shriveled up, you know? <laughs> from sweating in the Mando suit all day. I'm 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 assuming Mando suits have some sort of air conditioning in them because otherwise, oh boy. They're, but they're tough too. They're tough guys. So there's so many jokes about what they smell like. I will say about like how when they take them off, they just reek. I've seen many of a joke about Mando armor being smelly. Yeah. Many of a joke. <clears throat> well, there's an easy easy fix for that is if you have a whole civilization that just reeks, that just becomes normal and everybody likes it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like when you're they camping. Start, people start getting prized for their, you know, pungent odor that stands out amongst the other odor. It, it's, it's only, it's only, you know, it only gets the newcomers who come into, it's like India. That's, it, that's what everybody's told me about India. They're just like, India has a, a smell to it. And as soon as you get off the plane, you know, you smell it and you, you know, and by the time you leave, you've gotten used to it, but you never forget it for the rest of your life. It's, I, I was I was actually more thinking like the the old joke like when you're camping with friends you never want to be the first one to shower because then you can smell everybody else. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You never want to be the first person to shower in a group of friends while camping because then you can smell everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> just if everybody just stays equally as skanky, it's it's uh, or as we used to say as kids, scurvy. If everybody stays at the same scurvy level. Yeah, I, I'm going to make a prediction. Um, even though they name dropped Ahsoka, I don't think we're going to see her next week. I think she's going to be no. as, at the earliest the cliffhanger for next week's episode. She's a she's a dangler, but you never know. You never Do you know, know why? Because not next week, but the week after is directed by Dave Filoni. Uh, okay. That's probably going to be yeah. the Ahsoka episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Though so next week is uh done by uh Carl Weathers, so he's he's directing. So oh cool. cool, I know I, I'm really excited to see what he does. I my prediction is, and of course by the time this episode comes out, we'll know whether or not. I, um, I think next week, uh, because they had to, you know, his ships being held together by Mon Calamari nets and bubble gum and duct tape. Um, I think he's going to go back to Navarro to get his ship fixed and also talk to the armorer about everything he just learned about Bo-Katan. Um, and then I think after the ship gets fixed, then we're, I, I think the earliest we'll see Ahsoka is in the cliffhanger of next week's episode. And then episode five will be the Dave Filoni Ahsoka episode. 
that's my that's my theory. We'll see if I'm right by the time this episode comes out and we'll know whether or not I am right. I'm fairly <laughs> afraid that they're gonna dangle her till the last couple episodes. And I have a like a five percent fear that like she just pops up she just does a Luke Skywalker in uh, Force Awakens at the end of the season. I hope not. I hope that she's I hope that she's a character in the season. That would be interesting. But at the same time, I can hope for a lot of things, but like so far I'm pretty much along for the ride cuz there yeah. you know, the writing has not let me down on on this show. So nothing's let me down on this show really. Yeah. So I'm I'm, you... I'm 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 trust I'm fairly I'm really trusting in him. <laughs> I will say that I have to I thought this was really funny. Um, I forgot who it was, but on my friend's, uh, you remember Candace from Geeky Waffle? She was a guest yeah. on our show for Rebels. Um, mm-hmm. Over on their live stream, somebody on their live stream was joking about how if they've already found Ezra by this point, Ezra would be the one person in canon who would actually call Baby Yoda by Baby Yoda because he would definitely go, oh my god, a Baby Yoda! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> such a funny thought if we if we ever get a live action Ezra he'd just be like a baby Yoda it's so cute (laughs) I mean I mean yeah 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 I mean Ahsoka uh, Ahsoka could technically would probably say that could say the same thing I don't know if she would she would probably say something like he's he appears to be of the same species as one of my old teacher Jedi yeah or something like that. She, she would yeah. be so diplomatic about it, but Ezra Bridger, being the adorable baby, like a dumb himbo he is, he'd just be like, "Oh my God, a baby!" <laughs> and and Ahsoka could be like, "Don't don't call him that." She's like, "But it is a baby Yoda. Look at him. He's a baby." <laughs> a lot of people are thinking that. Um, Let's Rogue teach him will... to talk backwards. Yeah, uh, that's been a very big debate too: is whether or not he's gonna how he's gonna speak because Yaddo never spoke. And so we don't know if like that's just how their species talk, or if it's just Yoda, or or it's just Yoda is one of their species. Who knows? Their language, their species may have several languages. I mean, I mean, I always figure Yoda. I mean, there are other languages besides English that 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 reverse things like Yoda does. Mm-hmm. You know, I and, remember learning it in school. It, it's a form yeah. of passive voice in English. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, basically Yoda's just translating, that's the way his language is, and that's his translation into, you know, you know, galactic standard or whatever the, whatever the hell they call it. But, you know, so, so it comes out a, a little, a little backwards, like sometimes people do when they're translating from their native language. So I just figured it was, it was a language thing. You know, I didn't know, I don't think it was genetically you know your 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 language is your language and your speech they and your colloquialisms are all from where you are and who raised you so mm. yeah that's what i always took it as anyway all right speaking of uh, uh are you ready for some feelings ready to get to this <laughs> all right all right here we go <clears throat> Victory and death. I know. I'm just not ready. I have my tissues. Such I have... a great episode, and Hope's acting like it's just like she's marching off to death. I know me, and I know I'm just about to get super emotional. I'm preparing myself. 
All right. Victory and Death is the 133rd episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. It aired on Star Wars Day, May the 4th, 2020. It is written by Dave Filoni and directed by Nathaniel Villanova. You know, I would... Villanova. I have not been able to say that man's name correctly once. I will say also this episode had the least amount of background notes because it was like two plus the Clone Wars download. (laughs) Some extra information for you. The opening music for this episode features a live choir, which is a rarity in the animated shows. And the movies. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. This is the first time they fully rendered Vader in the Clone Wars style. Before Immortus, it was just his helmet. And finally, in the Clone Wars download for this episode, Dave Filoni talked about how tough it was to do these episodes because children loved the Clone Troopers. Order 66 is a massive betrayal. And in the films, the Jedi, like Yoda, just cut down the clones. So Dave asked himself if Ahsoka could really do that like Yoda did. And what does that say about her to the audience, especially when they have established that Ahsoka and the clones mean so much to each other? It set up a complex stage, challenging Ahsoka's convictions, convictions and her morality. It's also a terrible situation for Rex, too, as these are his brothers and he cares for them. He hides so many emotions behind his helmet. Yeah, actually, before we even watch the show, put a pin in that one. That one's definitely one I want to talk about. Me too, because remember back in Umbara, how many times I was like, I wish I could see Rex's face right now. I said that multiple times when we were doing Umbara of like, I wish I could see what he was looking like. Yeah, I'd I'd like to after after we watch the show, I'd I'd like to discuss a little bit the the difference between Yo what what Yoda's reaction and Ahsoka's reaction. And I also um okay uh, I, I I don't uh, Ahsoka versus Yoda reaction. I didn't add this, and but they talked about this in the Clone Wars download, um which was the background thing. Um, because somebody had asked last episode. Uh, the last episode why they only took off Rex's helmet versus all the other clones in Order 66 and it was a means to dehumanize them so we couldn't see their faces to show that they had become basically mindless people without free will while Rex still was getting his free will back because he was removing his helmet and we also Um, know where Rex is we also know who Rex is at all times too so yeah and then it solves a bunch of problems narratively and visually at once and the other thing that they pointed out was the use of the droids. I guess I should have wrote this in my notes, but I didn't. <laughs> they talked about in the Clone Wars download uh, the use of the droids about how there's now this blending because all show long, droids have been the enemy. And in this case, uh, droids are assisting Ahsoka and Rex to help them survive. And it's this blending going forward of there's no more enemies or friends. It's just survival. Yep. Yep. So... Oh, where was I? Uh, He had so many emotions behind his helmet. Dave knew that this would be a difficult ending since the show doesn't end on an uplifting note. But it's how this part of the story has to go. In this intense time in the galaxy, the characters have to stay true to each other, trust each other, and let go of their fears. Ashley Eckstein also said it was incredibly emotional recording these episodes because they, as actors, knew the series was ending, but it wasn't the end for the characters, so they had to keep all their emotions in check. Also, the actors got to finally have a proper goodbye that they didn't get before. Ashley said that that was such a gift this time around. 
And finally, D. Bradley Baker said that being able to end the Clone Wars properly is one of the most satisfying and creative moments, both in his life and his career. And it should be. Mm-hmm. I don't have a Yoda question. I'm so sorry, Yoda. I was, I, did, oh. I forgot. Uh, Yoda brought fortune cookie. <gasps> fortune ca- cookie, yes. Still need kinda, Yoda. Yes. I kind of like this Yoda in podcast, yes. Fortune like- cookie Yoda has. Mm. Let's see if it matches the episode. Now we have reason for Yoda. Mmm. Mmm. We always have a reason for Yum. Yoda. Yum. Yum. Oh. Mmm. 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 Yoda will never leave. Mmm. Mm. <laughs> I kind of want to like the going doing this going forward. If if we have like guests and stuff, like be mm. like, all right, Yoda, what's the fortune of the episode? Let's see if More it matches. For Yoda. Mm. Mm. But what is what is the platitude of the episode? Mm. 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 Your success will astonish everyone in bad. You know, that's kind of not too far off from this episode. <laughs> that just reminded, if I don't Palpatine remember. Palpatine you are, yes. Say what? If Palpatine you are. Palpatine's like, how the hell did that bitch is so content about surviving, crash on that big ass ship full of like 10,000 clones? What the fuck? Palpatine's <laughs> favorite episode this is. Not oh. even in it, he is. Not. <laughs> all right, Yoda. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot a question. That was all on me. You are a very much important part of the show. I just, I, it was my bad. I forgot to write a question. I was, mm. that was a me thing. I'm sorry. I love mm. you. Now get out of here so we can crack. <laughs> Run! <laughs> He's just milking it, man. He's afraid we're going to replace him, you know, when... Yeah, we... yeah, you know, I mean, look at, you know, there's there's no Yoda in, in Resistance, and he no. knows it. Yeah, he knows I mean, it. I mean, we had to call HR on him a few times because he did touch Brian's feet and, you know, right. and, and hit on Candace and sat in Ma's lap. So Mom's he... lap and all of it. All, any guests we've gotten on, they've never gotten away clean. I know, I know. So, um, we'll have to. What is it like the seventieth HR strike? You're out. Yeah, I think it's something like that at Demanza Corp. It's it's a little laxer here than in most yeah. places. So he still has a six, like like sixty five more to go. So. Mm-hmm. All right, oh. all right, Chris. What are what are the rules for uh for commentaries? All uh, right, as you know, sh- this is the sincere what. Unless you're just joining us, we are we are breaking our uh, normal uh, our normal um, routine, and we're gonna we're gonna do this as a commentary. Usually, we split it up into the three acts of the show, and and Hope will will do a, a synopsis in her own Hope voice. <laughs> but this time, for this this major major achievement, we've decided that we would. 
partially we thought it would be a good way to do it and we wanted to indulge ourselves a little bit. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to watch the episode, do a commentary on it, then we'll do all our, our yakking. Well, we'll do our yakking over it and we'll do a lot of yakking after it. And uh, the way we do this is we got our, uh, we got our play whatever you're watching it on, have it st- you know ready to start on 000. So all you have to do is hit the start button. And I will count down from three. And when I say go, you hit that button and we'll all be in sync. Me and Hope and all of you, all of us in sync, except you won't be listening, except we're doing this in in a room and then it's going to be edited and put out a month later. But either way, we'll all be in sync. All right. Are you ready, not, Hope? Not like the bye, bye, bye in sync. Bye, 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 because that's what we're saying to the clones this week. Bye, 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 bye. Oh, my God. But really, Hope, aren't we all in sync? Aren't we all really in sync? (laughs) I guess, but we're mostly in sync on April 30th. Do you know why? Because it's going to be May. (laughs) Okay, let's start the episode. That's my favorite joke of the internet. Okay, here we go. I'm ready. All right. We're going to start at three. (gasps) I say go. You Uh, push go. And then we all go. I'm going to let my cat shift around. Do a little little 180 here on my lap. And then uh, we'll start counting. Three. Probably should have peed beforehand, but here we go. (laughs) If If you guys need to pee, bring a pee bottle. All right. Three. It's only twenty some minutes. Twenty twenty three minutes. So. Do you hang- know my bird bladder? <laughs> Actually, can I pee right now? <laughs> yeah, go pee. Go okay. pee. Okay. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Oh, we're one one second, guys. Okay. Put in like a pee song or something. I'll put the pee song in. go from three two one go all right let me move my microphone a little closer to me there we go i'm gonna turn actually i'm gonna turn off my lamp so it's extra cinematic ooh, ooh, i have my lamp off the, the shattered 
force theme music again and then into the choral. <laughs> That little bit of a riff on the main Star Wars theme just for about three, four notes there. Mm-hmm. But it shattered. Like a live Oh my god, I'm so... Uh... I love that first shot because it's a very unreal... It's a very cartoony shot. And there's a lot of this that's realistic, but I love that it just opened up on that sort of... It, you're just going through hyperspace is kind of cartoony in the beginning. And this, it feels to me like this situation, it's almost like relaxed a little bit from the last episode because we've had a breather from, from the last episode, which is probably good because it just ramps up from now till the end. No. I... Uh, and it's so weird like I still kind of feel like they I wish even though it would have been like a week shorter and stuff like that I, I do kind of wish they put last week and this week together as like an hour finale to, so to not have that breather mm. I, I do think that like takes away like the little bit of like oomph uh, between the two episodes but that's well, just me We'll get to, um, well, it, it'll be it, like when we finally watch this as one chunk. <laughs> yeah, good job, Rex, destroying all the escape pods. You boys are having a rough time of it. Did you hear Maul also escaped? He didn't escape. I let him out. What? It's good that he can still joke around a little bit. That's one word for it. Oh, I love Spiky Boy. Oh, look at my spiky boy. I love this scene, too, so much because it just shows Maul's power when he's just like, I don't need lightsabers. I can just destroy a ship with the power of the Force and rip apart the hyperdrive. Like, it's, it's in a way, it just, like, shows, like, the complete power of the Force and, like, how he can wield it and how absolutely horrifically scary he is. This whole, this whole... Like, scene here a lot of episode one to it but at the same time it's just like a living ralph mcquarrie paint like background painting or an old school star wars map painting <laughs> i always forget that he just kicks the helmet off the dude i always forget about that he uses it as a shield yeah but yeah like he doesn't have a lightsaber he just deflected all that and like the little bit of glow of the red and the smoke and just has that red sithiness to it oh i love it Spiky boy. Uh, They're very smart with how they characterize Maul because he's actually likable because his only real, like, he hasn't been, like, genocidal. You know, actually, he's probably done horrifying things as a crime lord and stuff. But as far as the characters we know, he usually doesn't seem to, like, be, like, just into just randomly kill it. He, he has Obi-Wan, and there's a good reason, you know, and from his point of view why he would be mad at obi-wan so he makes a good anti-hero you know or, or oh i love that shot oh that was like i remember seeing that shot for the first time i just like gasped visibly but yeah like i i adore like like rebels and clone wars is the first time like they that's what made me love maul as a character i think he's a fascinating a very fascinating person <laughs> One thing that was really neat about that shot, it's it was a little unreal looking, but the smoke was traveling with the the 
ship, mm -hmm. which it would do in space, which mm -hmm. would look a little weird. It wouldn't trail behind like in an atmosphere because there wouldn't be any friction for it to be slowing down. It would just be flying off the ship and traveling at, you know, with the same inertia as the ship. So mm -hmm. it looks a little weird like they they might have goofed up, but it was it's actually like more realistic. He's got his got his clone trooper gauntlet. <laughs> I I just thought of, there's somebody drew some fan art of Maul sitting um like on a talk show and looking at the audience going, Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> Which is like the very summary of like all of Maul in this finale. Maul is Maul is basically grievy in this ep episode. He, he's just grievy in the last scene. He's just running <laughs> and getting ready to take off. <laughs> but he's doing it with a little more style. Oh. Grievy Grievy was Grievy Grievy didn't have a tail, but if he did, it would have tucked between oh, his legs. Oh. That's just an amazing. It's so pretty. <laughs> it's so pretty, but this is yeah, this is a time where like Ahsoka's been stunning all the clone troopers and stuff. It's but it's just not like here. It's like she can't even save them. You know, mm -hmm. if it, even if it was like a situation where it was like. And there's like the hope that like maybe they can land peacefully and be nice, but no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think at this point they're landing peacefully, <laughs> safely. Oh, 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 Jesse! Oh, I didn't. That can't be Oppo because Oppo's with Anakin right now. Oh, Jesse. Oh, Jesse. Find our way to the shuttle. Oh, I love this moment with Rex. Because he was just in their shoes and he understands what they're thinking and going through it. He's trying to be reasonable, but he's really... And then they take off the helmet! She's gonna reach up and take off his helmet because she can sense that he's sad and that he's crying and when Rex cries, I cry, and it's not okay, everybody. It's not okay. And, like, we're going violent. This is okay. something I've wanted for the entirety of all of Clone Wars going back to the Umbara arc. There's very subtle things going on in the last shot and this shot, but they subtly move the camera are moving the camera like a handheld camera and uh -huh. i think they did that on purpose to mirror the darth vader getting his helmet see see how it's almost a little wobbly yeah it's it's that they're, they're they're just putting a little handheld wobble in it and it and i think it it's just to to visually go back to luke taking darth vader's helmet off well that's interesting i never thought about it that way this is this is sort of a family scene, you know. Oh my god, Jesse! I'm not okay. Don't worry, it's a good thing. 
There's no good ideas right now. I was just gonna say <laughs> it's as good an idea as you're gonna get, but yeah, it's yeah. not a good. It's not really a good idea. I mean, you're arguing death versus semantics. <laughs> and this is another thing. There's just so much tra the tragedy of these droids in this that like, these droids have been, you know, you you know how we we talk about these astromech droids they're in like r2d2 especially they're the, the heroes of the whole thing they hmm. they get to operate in the shadows and and here that doesn't work you know because <laughs> they've been operating that way with these guys and these guys know what droids are up to when they go when they're at a piece of machinery and then they sort of back up and put their hands up that's later on but i'm getting ahead of ourselves but it's it's a tragedy you know these mm -hmm. these you know the droids are almost always you know what they, they they'll get a while but like when they're being when they're the hero droids like this it's usually like they're all they all get to do the the comedy adventure and stuff and and save the day and it just it's not going to work out for anybody anyway even anything that even works out to where you're still alive is going to be bittersweet you know yeah look at Ahsoka's fucking arm muscles man she's buff Oh, well, you've known each other a long time. You've known each other since the deserter back in season two. When's the last time you saw somebody flabby parkour? I don't know. I love the whole thing about making Rex a commander just for this joke right here of him going, I never liked being a commander anyway. You probably didn't. I love it was all for that joke. This stuff must have been kind of tough for the kids, too, because it's like, it's funny what the droids do to them. In a way, not really there. That was probably deadly. <laughs> that, that, that was like, that's the equivalent of falling a long way. But when they're just sort of like shooting them up and they'll hop up in the air and stuff and it's kind oh. of funny. Maul's like, okay, well, thanks for getting me a ship ready. Bye. Yep. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. Bye, Gina. Little shout out to my peak milk friends right there. I, I okay. I've been wanting to watch this scene because somebody pointed this out to me. Uh, which is throwing stuff is really yep. Maul's specialty. Yep, he did do it. Okay. Uh, so somebody had like done that scene up to that moment with him touching his neck, frame by frame. Where when Ahsoka leaks, leaps to slash at Maul, he has this look of fear when he shoves her away from this forest. And the next shot of him is like him holding his neck with this look of like, she almost cut my head off. <laughs> yeah, no, he's probably have it like he's probably having flashbacks to when Kenobi, Ben right. Kenobi chopped him in half. Yeah, that's actually exactly what uh, I think obi-wan said to him was like uh said to her like if you have to like go for the neck or something like that yeah 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 yeah. but i, I never saw that's it right like... yeah so that's so funny because she did try to go for that neck and he was just like has this look of like oh i like this little echo uh between star wars rebels too because this is what the inquisitors did to ezra zeb and sabine on a ship they were holding them with the ship uh, with the forest, but it was like this huge, like forcing, just like this. So I like this kind of echo with Star Wars Rebels. I think it's the episode always two. There are actually. It's funny. I, it, it's funny the added weight of Rex and a droid versus a ship, and uh. it's it's funny. 
but it's it's funny you can tell Maul just he knows that he all he has to do is hit the gas a little more. He's just toying with her. Oh, R seven. And I love this like choice of Ahsoka of just like like because Rex is it, it's this Rex is the choice and she chooses Rex over over stopping their one seems to be there safe way off this uh, Grievy out. This is this is total Star Wars. He's just done. And I and I love <laughs> He's just like, here he goes. Bye, Gina. <laughs> yep. All out. Yep. Boom. Zoom. Last Gotta go up to my uh, girlfriend Kira, even though she hasn't met Kira at this point probably, I don't think, but Mal's gonna be going off to his girlfriend Kira. Oh my god. Oh, I love this move. Poor Rex. I've lost track of how many times they just drop Rex in this four series. <laughs> you shattered both my hips. <laughs> I'll walk it off. See how, the, cool see how the yet. smoke is traveling with it? It's kind of cool. It made me think of physics, Ugh. which is rare in Star Star Wars. That's Star Trek that's supposed to do that. <laughs> I love Rex. It's just like, oh, God, there's more. <laughs> See, this is like, it's like, as <laughs> for the kids, it must be weird because this is just, this does not, you know, the droids always get out of situations uh, like that and not get executed like in episode three. It's a beautiful shot. Uh, and it's funny because this, uh, the, that, that last shot is getting compared to a lot of the, Shot in the last man, the second episode of the new Mandalorian. Mm. The, the the whole situation actually. Ugh. I don't know why Rex is even bothering with the stuns anymore because they know that you know. It I actually, think I think there's the hope that maybe like maybe they'll be okay, or if, even if just a few of them make it out. Like I think it's just the hope of. <sighs> being able to save someone you know you might not be yeah. able to, you're definitely not going to save everybody but there's i think the hope of being able just to save one of them which is the whole point of him trying to be like save echo because he had the hope of trying to save at least one brother and he got to save echo and i think that to me is what this whole thing is and and, and we see here like the bridge is trying to 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 keep control so it was. It, there was a hope that they could actually keep control. And now, I think now it's now the it's the tight. That's the Titanic shot. Yeah, <laughs> this I think was now this was the, the point, point in Titanic where you knew that it was almost over. <laughs> yeah. And I think that I think that I that's think just that's a visual shorthand. Right that, here is where Rex and Ahsoka were hoping that they could save some, and this is the point where they realize we can't save anybody. Um, oh, and yeah, I think, and I think that's literally the whipped into chaos. Oh, this is the most gorgeous shot. <laughs> this whole shot is so beautiful and so gorgeous. And it mirrors that whole racy to the bottom. Oh yeah, it does. This is like so, <laughs> so awesomely Star Wars. With its just the physics of it and like, but like, and this is what most people who do stuff like this don't get right is this always keeps you 
like in you know you know where everything is you know where everybody's going and what this everybody's doing. This is what the sequel do- trilogy was missing: is knowing yeah. where everything is at all no, times. I don't think either J.J. Abrams or um, Ryan Johnson have the visual sense. I mean, that's not you know. George Lucas, that's his genius, you know, he amongst has, many yeah. geniuses. But that's his big genius is visual set pieces. And to to reach that level, you have to at this this day and age, you pretty much have to be somebody like, you know, Terry Gilliam can do that. But he has a different style. Filoni's the only one in Star Wars, I think. I think I also have to throw in from about two or three minutes ago to the end i don't think there's any dialogue which yeah, just is a pow- very powerful ending i think you're right except for like some chatter from the imperials oh this music i like this music oh not the music oh not the music i think the last thing that was said was something from like jesse like like blast them or something Oh, and there's so much, like, great imagery in these scenes, like, oh no, oh no, here we go, (laughs) here it comes, like, the imagery of these scenes from here to the end, like, the last thing, like, we'll get there in a second, but the last shot of, like, the very Imperial Vader in the mirror of the cracked clone helmet in the snow of, uh, there's so much here, and I love this shot coming up of Ahsoka standing in front of all the clone trooper helmets, and, like, this is where I was just, like, something that this ending does so well is just emphasizes how unfair everything was to everybody on all sides, except for Palpatine, who's having a really wonderful day right now. Yeah. But, like, this is, especially it being Jesse's helmet, because Jesse's helmet has the Republic symbol on it. Like, that's what that symbol is, is the Republic symbol. And they fell with him. They fell with the clones, they fell with the Jedi. And, and like, and I think that's why it's so symbolic that they, like, made sure to him, the one that's threatens him, that re- and it's the turn. It's the turn of Jesse wearing the Republic symbol. Oh, the lightsabers too, oh my god. Um, so it's Jesse wearing the Republic symbol. It is the one that turns, and it's the turning into the Empire, and I, there's so much there. And then she's going to give up her lightsabers that Anakin just gave her two episodes ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesse doesn't deserve this. None of them do. Oh. It's so painful, Chris. I sort of understand it symbolically. I never would give up my lightsaber. <laughs> uh. It's it's because it's a little this. tainted. I I understand for her. I mean, it's especially it's a little tainted for Mannequin too. There's also they they have to sell her death. So if she kept one and Vader found one, they would have that assumption that she would, had the other. Um, they're trying yes. to sell their. They actually talked about it a little bit in the Ahsoka novel, which was um, it, it, the actually the Ahsoka novel was different. They actually buried a clone in Rex's armor. And with the lightsabers, with a gravestone that said that Rex and Ahsoka killed each other and both faked their deaths, which is clearly... Oh, God, I love this time. Oh, black metal daddy is here. He's almost photorealistic in this. This almost looks like they either motion captured him or I almost was suspicious that they filmed somebody, like a person. Uh, 
and he's, and just and he put also, up a real person and he's almost photo re- he he almost look at that he just how how soon because he actually looks kind of skinny like to me and this is gonna sound so stupid because it's Vader and you can't tell but he actually feels very young so this to me and I I know that's the great debate of how long has it been. No, but, like, he's at... kind of skinny, he's kind of wiry. Like, I feel like this is a very fresh Vader. Like, maybe only oh, a couple yeah. years removed. No, and... they they want you to feel more Anakin right now than yeah. Vader. I mean, he was, the last time we saw him was Anakin. Even the way his hands look. And he feels sad. Like, he, like it's weird that his mask feels sad right now. Like, this well, all He's feels got one sad. red eye and one black eye. and He's all over the place, you know. Which he's is a st- nice, and this is all nicely tied into Rebels because the convoy is there. And, like, we have that moment in Rebels where he is, like, the one eye is gone and the other one's there. And this is a gorgeous final shot of... We're walking away from the Republic and into the Empire, and it's so beautiful. And I'm, I'm so, I'm good. I didn't cry. I'm yeah, good. no, I, I got the impression oh. that, you know, I don't think oh. he's like fresh, like just got put in the suit. No, yeah. but like within I... within like a month, you know, because a little moon like that could in a few hours have that snow there you know that could happen yeah. every day it could melt in in snow every day but i get the feeling that like a month has passed or or a few months have passed i think i my my feeling is probably about just by looking at like the lack of clone helmets that are still standing and like the state of the ship i, I to me i feel like maybe a year or two that's that's my take is about a year ish because well, but that's just I, me. I, but it, I, I've heard people say it like, oh, it was like two weeks. I, I think that's very see, open to interpretation. See, if it was a year later, I would see it more as something like you wouldn't see Anakin there with the snowtroopers and stuff. It would be something he went to check out himself to see, you know, what happened to Rex and Ahsoka. And... And he would sort of do it like as like sort of something on his own that he wouldn't, t- you know, he would just sort of show up there and poke around. So this the, the, it makes me think that it was sooner rather than later, but not on a high priority. But it was just part of the Empire's protocol to check out what was happening, see if they could get any information off the ship, see if there's any, the any Jedi still. The way that the shuttle is arriving, it almost makes it feel like the they were the Empire was checking the protocol, like you're saying, and he they're like, hey, we think we found what used to be a Sokotano's ship, and that's what made Vader come because they're already there when Vader's shuttle arrives. So maybe they called it in. Hmm. He was just also, like, I'm gonna go check that out. <laughs> well, also, also now that I'm thinking about it, they can't, they they were forced out of hyperspace, yeah. so. Probably nobody knew where that ship was. It probably went into hyper. It went into hyperspace, and uh, was probably unheard of after that. So that could definitely set it back a little more time that they finally found it. And I'm saying, and, like to, and I mean, Vader's in charge of getting rid of any uh, any straggling Jedi. Yeah, with the so. with the gra- with my grand. Oh, if he showed up with my grande, I would have lost my. Yeah, they never would have done that. They I never know would, they have... would not have done that, but I would have lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so. Ooh, notes, 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 notes. Uh, I'm so proud of myself. I didn't cry. I got teary and I got misty, but I didn't full out cry. And I, 
I think if we weren't talking to each other, I would have fold out cried. So it would have been good. Um, huh, huh, okay. Um, you just, I'm just going to go straight through my notes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, my first note is R7, which is Ahsoka's droid, which is that kind of pink and gold one. Um, I mentioned this last week, but that is apparently Ahsoka's personal astromech. And just like I said last week, I wish they had done more to connect the two, just to make that moment a little bit more. Because like, there's now a is that is that him in the background when Rex is there at the end that they like sort of in pieces does it is did she pull him out of the ship and i didn't look close enough so i don't know off the there, top there, of there, it looked like it had yellow on it and i was oh. like oh they found the droid maybe they're hoping to repair let's see let me oh wait this is not the right thing let's see i have the technology to go back and see. <laughs> to go back and watch it again we just watched it yeah. i have that technology now let's see uh, let's, uh, uh, backing up backing up Back it up, back it up, back it way up. Uh, it's when it's when Rex is working on the ship. Uh, okay, I'm I'm playing the scene right now, but um because there's a difference between, you know, like being like oh no, cause they've spent the last two episodes establishing that we like these droids, so there's a difference. Oh, I I could kind of see that there is a little droid there, and it's kind of yellowish, but it's just the top of it, so maybe it is R seven. But, like, you know, um, they spent the last two episodes to be like, oh, these droids are awesome droids. But there would have been a difference if, like, between, like, oh, no, these droids that we've gotten this connection to in two episodes. Yeah. And, see, like, R7, who has been with us for seven seasons, you know? Like, it'd be, like, the equivalent of, like, blowing up R2 and, like, never getting him back. <laughs> like, it would have been, like, a completely different emotional hit. <laughs> so... Um, I, so I do wish, like, knowing that R7 was Ahsoka's personal droid, I wish they would have like, established it more throughout the rest of the show. That's, like, the tiniest gripe. That's, like, my only gripe of this episode. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about the unfairness of this war and how this is such a perfect end to show how absolutely unfair it is on all sides. Yeah, that's just I- that's just a good... Good old anti-war message, <laughs> you know. And I, I it's think all it's, quiet on the Western Front. And I think it's perfectly summed up in two scenes. One, of course, is the end scene with Ahsoka standing there in front of all the clone helmets, because we, as the audience, have gotten to know these people. We like the clones. Like that is the whole point of the Clone Wars is we got to know these men and they're, they're all very good men and they're good people. And in a single instant, they bec- they lose their free will and they become mindless soldiers that have no free will and they die for it. And that is so incredibly unfair. And I think the other par- part of that is Rex. That moment when she takes off Rex's helmet after he's just like, they don't care. I was just in their shoes. I wanted to murder you, friend. They don't care. And Ahsoka takes off his helmet and we see that Rex is crying because these are his brothers. This is his family that he's having to like let go. Like those are the two scenes that absolutely showcase how completely unfair all of this is. And but, but at the same time, he'll kill him. You know, he was He was stunning he, them. He was trying to. He was trying to actually go ahead and talk about your Ahsoka versus Yoda. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Because like in the last episode you know that's that's when when Rex came out of his surgery he he did didn't stun him he he killed him mm-hmm. he he was willing to kill him and like when Ahsoka was like 
I don't want to kill him. I think Rex was only stunning him because Ahsoka didn't want to kill him. Yeah, I think, I think Rex, Rex, Rex would have killed him. And and I think that show and, and the same with Yoda. Yoda was just like, uh oh, like as as we know, I'm a I'm a pretty firm believer in Yoda really like had a better understanding of what was going on than than other people. But Yoda was just like when the tide turned, he sensed it and he started cutting off heads and was more pragmatic of it like Rex. And I guess symbolically like Yoda and Rex are Yoda's still a Jedi and Rex is still a clone trooper and Ahsoka is in limbo. So she doesn't have to she doesn't have to like be pragmatic about the war and survival She's just a sit a person now, you know, so she could be like, I a don't want citizen, like Mace Windu pointed out. Last episode. Yeah, I, that's why I stopped saying citizen. I didn't want to give Mace Windu any, uh, any credit <laughs> for that. But uh, but yeah, she's just a person now and she could go like, I want to stand on principle, you know, and that's part of that's why she left the Jedi. And if if she was a Jedi at that time, she would be sort of bound to probably be, to to kill some of those those uh clone troopers. I okay. I, I still I, might not have done it, but she would have been, you know, there would have been a a a a a, a clear cut. There was sort of a clear cut thing because they were were trying to murder her, but like she's not in she's not in the rank and file anymore. She's not in that, and she purposely left it, and she purposely didn't go back into it. So I think like she's able to do that. Whereas like Rex and Yoda are, they're able to do it, but they're unable to do it. Cause they're just so, they're just so set in the, the, the pattern in the place that they are, you know, here's, here's the one place where I, I very slightly disagree with you. And that's in, when it comes to Rex, I think the differences with Rex is he was just in Jesse's place like 10 minutes ago. Right. And I think, and I think he understands. Like this is what they're thinking when yeah. he says they don't care. He means it. Like he's like, I was just there trying to murder you, best friend. And and I think that's where I, I agree with you. I don't think unless if Ahsoka didn't ask him to stun them, I agree with you. I don't think he would have been summoning him because he understands where they were. Like he's five pra- minutes. Ago. He's pragmatic <laughs> about it, and so so is Yoda. But there, but that's because he's 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 still a clone he's still in that you know he never ahsoka's had time like just having a chance to step back maybe get with her girlfriend in with a potential girlfriend and hang out with a girlfriend trace and other possible have an have an adventure that has an undertone of uh of the jedi being turds and you know, to to get a little little distance from it, and all of a sudden your whole worldview, you know, her worldview is just, you know, to use a space phrase, light years away from from where, you know, I mean, everybody's experienced it when you're like, it, like say you're at a job and you're working with all the people in the job and you're in like a that flow with them, and say you get another job or you, you lose a job or something or you quit or something, but and then you come back and visit and it's just like, it's not the same, you know, it's different because yeah. everybody's in there still in that groove that you've been out of for a long time. So that's a really good analogy. Yeah. I, oh, I, 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 yeah. 
Um, I figure that's about the one thing that like everybody can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, I will say, all right. This episode is the, is the exception to one of my major rules of clone wars that I've held this entire show. It's my one exception to this rule. And anybody who remembers us way back when we covered the Morris arc, I was very adamant about this. And my rule is at no point in the show should we ever see Vader because it's Anakin's story. And that's what made me so mad in the Mortis arc was we saw Vader. And Anakin Anakin, saw Vader even. Anakin saw Vader, which was the whole point of why we had to erase his mind, which makes part of just Mortis arc is stuff. But this is my one exception to that rule because it's not Anakin anymore. Anakin's story is complete. We are now with Vader. Yeah. And, and it makes well, it actually. We're almost such... given a like a ghost of Anakin. Ah, yeah. Oh, God. I love that scene. That scene is, as we were saying, like, I, I like the, how you say it, it's the ghost of Anakin because that, and, and what's interesting, and I would love to hear listeners, what listeners' takes on, on that scene is because I've heard so many different interpretations of that scene. So I'm fascinated to hear what our listeners ta- took it. Yeah, well, that, it's ma- it's made for interpretation, so yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's it's so complicated, but it's so simple. Like it's it's because it, honestly, it's simple, very simple on the surface. Because it's Vader walking out, picking up a lightsaber, looking, turning on the lightsaber, and looking at a bird and walking away. But and like that is what it is on the surface. But we have seven seasons of Clone Wars. We know just two episodes ago, he gave Ahsoka those lightsabers. Just two episodes ago. He made those. He he put himself in those lightsabers. He yeah. put his little bit of like himself, his self, like his possessiveness, his relationship with Ahsoka in that. And I like how you put that. I think, I think in that one moment, we are not looking at Vader. We are looking at Anakin and it feels so even just how the mask is curling down and the way it's shot, it almost the way the mask is, is almost like eyebrows over his eyes. And it feels sad. Like, it's yeah. just how he holds himself, how he turns on the lightsaber, like lightsaber brushes it off with care and turns it on and looks at it and then did, turns it off and pockets it. Like, did it's, you ever... it's, oh, what? Did you ever read Star Wars Tales? It was a Dark Horse comic uh, in the Legends era. It, and it yeah, was just a collection of short stories. It was always like some of them would be humorous. Some of them would be like by like more. I know, alt- I know I've seen them before because when I was working at the comic book store, whenever we got in Legends comics, I would flip through them. But we would always get like in like random issue number 57 of blah, blah, blah. So that I, that I was okay with them because they were serial. The, 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 actually, they did do some serialized stories with characters. And I think um, one of them um, um, was that one guy who was like the Jedi tracker. Mm-hmm. Oh, Quinlan Voss. Quinlan Voss. I think he started in Star Wars Tales and I, as a one-shot story. And then they started doing like serialized continuing Quinlan Voss stories but for the most part you could pick up any episode uh, issue of Star Wars Tales and you didn't have to pick up the next one or you didn't have to have the one before it because it was all just disconnected stories some of them were like fantastical uh, you know they had one where you know they discovered 
where Indiana Jones discovered the Millennium Falcon with the bones of Han, Han and Chewie in it, which is now <laughs> impossible to have happened. But there was one story that was set on Cloud City from Darth Vader's view when he was there waiting for Luke Skywalker to come. And it just, oh, and, and he found C-3PO. And he, and he was down and he found C-3PO. And, I've and seen the so last many shot, images of that. Right, is the last shot of, of Darth Vader holding C-3PO's head and sort of up to his head and looking at it that was just heartbreaking. He just and he puts his forehead to it, to, to it yeah. Yeah, he does the he does the the Boba and Django <laughs> fat thing. I just like hit my microphone to be like dunk. <laughs> and sorry. uh sorry sorry uh Dario I just woke oh, up. Oh, by the way, I've also figured out this is for another show in the future, but I have figured out like I think why Boba Fett is actually gonna be a good character in the Mandalorian. I but. yeah, I'm even though I'm not a Boba Fett fan, I'm excited about the stories that they're going to present to him, especially. It, it came out of the Baby Yoda eating eggs thing, so I'll just let people. Uh, I'll just let people hang on that how those two things are connected. My but, my 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 quick Boba take my Boba hot take is um, there's been so much emphasis on Din's armor for the last like season and three episodes is. Now that he knows that he can remove his helmet, over time he's going to lose his armor piece by piece until he's just a man like Boba Fett. And being a Mandalorian is about being a man, not the armor. And I think well, that's Bo where we're going. Boba Fett is going to be in there to be another um, representation of of childhood trauma. Yeah, I don't <laughs> of think trauma that, during I, childhood. Because honestly, if Boba really wanted that armor from Cobb Vanth in the last five years, he could have taken it. I don't think Boba actually wants his armor. Boba and and Din are, are actually we'll know both, for sure both by the orphan, end of this season by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> orphans, anyway. But yeah, I don't I don't know where we were now. And oh, and, uh, the Vader felt sad, sad Vader. Yeah, yeah, sad Vader. I I, <laughs> I I felt that scene was very much like it felt a lot like that scene with him and three PO in that comic. It was, uh, but it was a lot less maudlin. Although, I mean, the C-3PO thing worked. It was a, it was a memorable. Everybody remembered it, and I remember seeing it and going like, "Damn, that's awesome!" Because that was like one of the first times people were like, "Okay, I'm gonna tie the prequel stuff in with the, uh, with a start with a Empire Strikes Back." Because I, I go I lean mean, into, how, lean into Darth Vader made C-3PO, and it was awesome. Here's how and, memorable uh, it is, is you weren't even done explaining and I knew exactly what you were talking about and I haven't read it. Right, because right, right. That, that image has been circulated so much. I knew exactly what you were talking about. That image tells the whole, you don't even have to read that comic. That image is the only, everything. once you see that image, you know, ex if you are a Star Wars fan, you know exactly where it's taking place, what's happening, everything. You know, everything you know, is there. You know that. the past. <laughs> Yeah, you know the whole story of the the comic that people that that was written to do that in. You don't need any of the story building. That that image was contained all the mojo of that story. But mm -hmm. yeah, it was a very short story anyway, but it was yeah. But I think this was a lot more deftly and I mean this is this this was coming out at the same time as the Mandalorian and I think what happened is now we like We've got the Filoni story and being able to do a set piece like Lucas and John Favreau with the with the visual storytelling. And I think 
that Filoni picked up a lot from doing the Mandalorian for, for especially for uh, Siege of Mandalore. And like, they're really, uh, they're really leaning into like visual storytelling. Like, can we, how, how little like actual dialogue do we need to have here? You know, Mm -hmm. how can we, can we tell this all with pictures and, it really works. To, that's a very good direction that's to go actually, to with Star Because for us, since we're doing commentary, we had subtitles on, and it dawned on me as Ahsoka was talking. I was like, "What was the last? How long have we not had subtitles?" <laughs> it dawned on yeah. me. I was like, "Yeah, there's hardly the any. Di- there's hardly any dialogue in for the last like seven minutes or something, or like yeah. five minutes." Um, the the kind of the last thing I wanted to touch on: sad toast daddy stuck in black metal daddy armor. Um, I like the echoes to Twilight of the Apprentice 2, um, the Rebels episode, because you have mm-hmm. the Convery, um, you have the Convery flying overhead with Vader um, down below. The only difference is, is he's walking away from the Convor instead of looking up at it. Um, the Convor, of course, has become the symbol of Ahsoka. Um, we have the Fulcrum symbol there, and I, I love that image of Vader walking away with the reflection in the helmet because it kind of echoes that last shot of Ahsoka walking down into the cave. Um, they're both from behind shots in there. It kind of, the clone trooper is not quite a triangle, but it's a similar kind of shape. Like it's very, has those shapes on it. And, um, yeah, there's, and, 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 it, and it's reflected. And so, it's kind of yeah, like dark and all smoky. the symbolism right there. Yeah. So there's a lot of echoes with Twilight of the Twilight of the Apprentice, which is very fitting because that's the next time Anakin and Ahsoka see each other is in Twilight of the Apprentice. And so I, I like those echoes that they have in those tie-ins. I think of Star Wars at rhymes. Um, well, and also we also had a major character who was a focus of of the first arc in this named Echo. Ah. <laughs> Hey, nice, uh, nice segue because I, I briefly mentioned it, but this is that episode was established why the Bad Batch arc is so important because Rex has to let go of so much, and Echo was the first little test of how to let things go. Yeah. And so much of Star Wars is letting go of the past. <laughs> um, this is also a masterclass of how to write suspense when you already know the outcome of the story. Yes. This is how you write the how because I would say probably like. The majority of people who watch this, you know, probably some people like watched this because it was the big Disney Plus promotion of like, oh, I'll see Jamandalore and people are writing articles. So there was probably like some casual fans who did watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of the people watch this knowing that Maul, Ahsoka and Rex survived. We just didn't know how. And this is such a masterclass of how to write how. Because there are times, I remember I was on the edge of my, I still am on the edge of my seat mm-hmm. when Ahsoka is skydiving through that wreckage because it's so intense. And because they I, set the mood so well, it, it, can, they did, they, they used the tricks of episode three, which was, was the same thing. You knew who was going to live and die at the end of episode three and what, and even roughly how, you know? So, but, they just were so successful in setting that mood. And in episode three, it was the opposite. You were still thinking, you know, maybe Anakin can get out of it, you know, Mm -hmm. can uh, have a change of heart and stuff. And this, you're just like, you know, you're, you're just, it's you. I, I, yeah, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm typing in my um my note and I, and I think so much of it is the use of Jesse because normally the whole time we watched Clone Wars up to this point we knew that you know Obi-Wan Ahsoka not Ahsoka Obi-Wan Anakin Padme any of the episode three characters who we knew were in episode three we knew that they were going to survive Clone Wars that episode where Mace Windu and Anakin are tra- trapped under rubble and they're waiting for R2 to come back and save them we know they're going to be okay because we know they're in episode three and and so like that's why Rex and Ahsoka were such fascinating characters as we watched the series for the first time because we didn't know if they were going to survive because we didn't because they are not in episode three. Well, going through Siege of Mandalore, we knew that Rex and Ahsoka were going to survive, and I think that's why it's so interesting where we have a character like Jesse. Jesse might well, not we actually be actually thought that they could die. That's the thing is you you're yeah, so yeah. wrapped up in that feeling of doom that like. You think Anakin's going to quote unquote live and you think they're going to die even though you know the end of it. And that's like some that's some good storytelling right there. And and also like the addition of the other characters, like I was saying with Jesse. Jesse is now in the Rex and Ahsoka place that they've been for the entire season up to this point because we don't know what happened to Jesse. We didn't. And, and I wouldn't put Jesse on the same level as Rex, but I would say he's just under fives. We've been with him since episode two or uh, season two. We He was with in Umbara, almost executed alongside fives. He's been here this entire time and for, for a long time. And so like we didn't know the fate of and I, I would say after after fives and Rex, he's probably one of the more well-known clones like Echo. Like he's in the Echo area. Um and so that's why the echo really zone. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to see Jesse in the Rex and Ahsoka position, because while we're watching the how of how Ahsoka and Rex gets out of there, we also don't know the fates of everybody else. And I think that's why it hits so hard at the end. Like, cause like Jesse was the one I didn't know about. And that's why I cried for 12 minutes in my reaction video to this, because Je- I had no clue how Jesse got out and Henry Gilroy's a sneaky bitch for setting this up for me like three years ago at Dragon Con. When I asked him, where's Jesse? How did, do- how is Jesse get through order 66? And he goes, I can't tell you that. And that makes me go, Jesse still has a story. And of course he has a story because he's the one that's trying to execute them. And that was ends up being Jesse's story and his demise. And so uh, uh, th- this is such a masterclass of how to wa- write the how. And also the transition of other named characters like Jesse into the Rex and Ahsoka position that they've been for the rest of the series. And I, I think it's, so, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. So, oh, and okay. it's also to make it uh, compelling and novel and unexpected. I mean... Literally, I've seen and, you know, writing has gotten technique, you know, and for the most part better as time has gone on in my life. But I was used to like stuff that would end up like getting unfinished and then somebody would come back and finish it. A lot of times it would end up being really predictable and it would be a, a ticking off of boxes and stuff like that. And this was definitely not that you know this was definitely not just like okay let's take care of everything we you know although it does it does mop up everything that they were left hanging when they when they canceled the series but it you know it you know with the the first time i watched this literally i was on the edge of my seat all Mm -hmm. four episodes it like it was an intense viewing experience because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how it we was going to play out from We knew that it was coming. From minute what, to minute. 
and, and that's, that's what we've been talking awesome. about since the beginning of season seven is the looming of episode three. Go back to our episode for the Bad Batch. We say that right in our very first mm-hmm. episode with Bad Batches, you can feel season episode three looming on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Like it's there, it's looming. And that's like when, so when you watch stuff, like even with the Siege of Mandalore, Phantom Apprentice, anytime those clones could have turned on them. At any point in time. And actually, the Ahsoka novel helped kind of set the precedence because in the Ahsoka novel, um, which, which has become like a big continuity issue with some people, um, Order 66 happened on Mandalore. Uh, like they like crashed on Mandalore and they were stuck on Mandalore, which has become who cares because this is awesome. Um, so many people get caught up about that. And I, I think that's where like it's okay to let some of the content, the canon go. And like, I, you know, I get, I get fussy about continuity and like when we cover trust in a few episodes, I'm going to probably fuss about Poe Dameron's character and stuff and how it doesn't match up with canon. But I think there are certain things like major set pieces. It's okay to let some like major set pieces go, you know? Oh, I, I totally agree. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in the narrative over, continuity you know you have to maintain a certain level of continuity but when it gets into the nitpick level or or you know or if something's done for a very strong narrative reason that serves the story better than if you just kept it completely accurate to its lore i'm fine with that that yeah it's, it's a story these are stories these aren't people documentaries. Are losing, they, people they are don't... losing their shit because Ahsoka's lightsabers were blue because they it, were green in the Ahsoka novel. It's a story. It, they, they're stories. That's the color of anybody's lightsaber is not the point of any of this, and it's mm-hmm. not why. I mean, I, I don't want to say that because maybe it is why some people read it. But if it is why you're reading it, then you gotta you gotta just take it for granted that if that's the way you read stuff then you're not <laughs> it's not going to fall into your liking a lot of the time with anything creative because when you have writers and artists that have to make something there they they are going to want to be more they're they're more invested in the story yeah you know? and i think that's and you the have difference. to be if you want to keep it you know, you want it to be about the story and not about making everything line up perfectly. And I think that's where it gets like to me is the difference between um, what we're probably going to talk about when we get to Tross and Poe's character versus this. Yeah, Tr- Tross is Tross is a, a an example of that not working and. Yeah, it's not it's not like they made decisions for the story. This is that's more of a yeah, we'll get into that. But that's more of that stuff just going out the window. But this, but this, <laughs> the story like, going out the window. But in this example, like to me, why I'm OK that they are completely contradicting the last two to three episodes, what was in the Ahsoka novel is for one, the story group gave Ashley X, uh, gave uh, E.K. Johnson, like, no specific details. They just gave her the general story. So if they really wanted it to match up to general story, then they would have given her, like, point by point and, right. and would have given that to her. But um, what's different for me here is essentially everything played out the same way. They captured Maul. Order 66 happened. Maul escaped. They survived. They 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 survived. And like, so the story itself played out relatively the same where it differs in how I feel about how they handle Poe and Tross is it actually changes Poe's character 
in his origin story. And that's where I have a problem with it because it well, actually yeah, it's, contradicts. It's not all. aiding the characters of the story. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, and in it's, fact, it's it subverting it. Yeah. It, it, and I feel it, that way a lot with Trust because, like, I. Trust yeah. almost feels like a fan fiction to me. And that's where, like, that's where it's so weird. Like, it actually feels like fan fiction. And there's parts of Trust I really like. Well, that's, like, the, that's the thing. Trust made me understand the way people felt when they saw the last Jedi and didn't like it. You know, I mean, I loved it. I was like, how could somebody not love this? But, you know, to see similar complaints in this movie as they had to the, the, the last movie, you know, there's different, you know, there's different, there's ridiculous complaints too, but there were character complaints of, mm-hmm. you know, Luke Skywalker when this is, you know, and I disagree with their, their, but, that's just a disagreement that's the way they feel about it so that that was the way i felt about tross i was like this isn't any of these aren't any of these characters yeah <laughs> this doesn't make sense but my, yeah you know my, but my me it made me realize and this will be my last trust note is it made me realize that they didn't have a plan for the sequel trilogy uh, because to me, like the last Jedi did feel like it was built on top of the work of the force awakens and Tross felt like they knocked over the tower and rebuilt a different tower. And it made me, and like, cause so much of that movie felt like they had to go back and like, right. quote unquote, fix the last Jedi before they could tell the story, which left no story to tell. And it was absolutely maddening to hear that well into filming, they kept changing Ray's parentage. Like Daisy, uh, yeah. Daisy came no. out and said that like um like like well into filming they told her that she had different parentages. At one point she was a Kenobi, at one point she was a Palpatine, at one point she was a nobody, and so right. she actually and, didn't know how to act right. at times. Right, she because know. they were trying to they were trying to calculate which one would be more acceptable or better or whatever instead of coming up with a, a story. Yeah, it's it's we're going to get into that real soon. But yeah, 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 that like, I mean, ideally, they what they should have done is all three of the original filmmakers that they had planned. uh, What was it? Trevor Knob and J.J. Abrams and and uh, Ryan Johnson should have been all working on it together from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. They should have all been together at the story meetings instead of I think I think the passing on of the story thing was a laziness thing having to do probably with Hollywood scheduling and stuff like that. They should have all the, you know, and, and if I had Disney paying everybody, you know, and everybody having other movies, you know, you can't just stop doing all your movies when you have a, when you know, you're going to be doing a star Wars movie in three years to work on the last one, but Disney should have paid them all. And, you Disney know, is a that. multiple billion dollar company. They could have thrown enough money at them to yeah, for yeah. them to drop a movie and come yeah. hang out. Yeah. And and I think that's that's the other thing is like reading that like especially the tent pole of all tent pole movies, you know, is yeah. a, a, the the mega franchise of all franchises. You and, you, you and, do that. And that's how they always have done Star Wars and the, the, but you know we're in a new world our technology is different they probably thought they, they didn't could... even have to be in the same room they could have just skyped each other or zoom I call know. i know that's I why know. it's so frustrating because like I, I i was reading like you know like uh people's talking about how 
Ryan Johnson met once a week with the story group because he wanted to make sure Last Jedi matched up with books and comics and canon and video games and animation. Like he met with the story group once a week to make sure he was meeting in canon. And JJ didn't for trust. He didn't meet with the story group. He just did his thing. And that's what's so maddening about it. Oh, we'll get there. I have two more notes for this episode to bring us back to Clone Wars. <laughs> um, I, what I love so much about this episode is they finally did something that, and I, and I mentioned this briefly when we were watching it. Um, I remember watching the Umbara arc and I lost, I lost track of how many times I kept saying, I wish I could see Rex's face right now. Like when Krell, Pong Krell tells him that like clones are worthless. Like I wish I could have seen Rex's face in those moments. And I said that multiple times. And I love the scene that we finally get to see Rex's emotions and finally get that scene where they take off his helmet and we get to see him. I think that's such a powerful scene to finally unmask Rex and to see him as a human losing everything. He is losing well, everything. Being an outsider too. was sort of symbolically like freeing him from being a clone or, or a trooper. Well, not you can't free him being clone, but she was taking his helmet off is just saying like, you're just, you're, you're, come on, Rex, you're a guy like me now, you know? like me (laughs) and you know i i I got to thinking a little bit about star wars rebels and how i think being a clone becomes a sort of pride and they were kind of talking about that last episode was the like the kind of in between of like the clones wouldn't exist if not for the clone wars so they have very complicated feelings but then I, kept, I started thinking about that scene from Star Wars Rebels where Rex is talking to Callus. Um, this is in, I think, the last, the Lost Commanders, where it's like him, Wolf, and Gregor, and they're on their Jupa boat, and they're hunting Jupas and stuff like that. And, and Rex says very specifically, I hope you have better soldiers than these stormtroopers. And, like, he has pride. And I, I, I like that kind of contradiction, like that contradiction, that kind of comparison to, like, who he is then because he's kind of gotten to this point where being a clone is a place of pride um, and he well, has learned to find that never, pride ever, in ever, it. ever take it out of him you know I know it's like, it's like anybody who is in but, the military they're always going to retain like, well compared to something like this in this scene where there's probably a lot of shame right now in being a clone because all the clones are killing their friends you know, these are people they love. He's losing, not only are they losing, he's losing Obi-Wan, he's losing Anakin, he doesn't know where they are, he, he's gotten to know Padme, he knows that Anakin and Padme are, are married. So this is probably a huge moment of shame for Rex. And to hear him later, like 20 years later in Rebels, being able to have like almost like that pride of being a clone versus stormtroopers and like being able to look down on them. I I like seeing that like this is like the baseline for that growth. Yeah, and he had 20 years to... To yeah. relax and and you know an you know, empire process they hate, <laughs> and you know i'm sure they judge I, I can see like wolf gregor and rex like sitting on like the hood of their giant walker and just being like those damn storm well military military stuff. people also or people who like are involved in violent trauma or like medical people or, or that are in the you know trauma ward that's a coping mechanism is making jokes so mm-hmm. you know Yes, it is. <laughs> um, and my final note. And stormtroopers seem like the easiest joke in the galaxy, too, because everybody loves to make stormtrooper jokes. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just thought of that scene in Chapter 8 of The Mandalorian where the two are trying to shoot the can and they can't. <laughs> Perfect. Taika Waititi, you're amazing. It's borderline racist in, in Star Wars. What? The way that people stereotype stormtroopers. I wouldn't say it's racist. It's more just stereotypical. I, that's why I said bo- borderline, since stormtrooper is not a race. But it's bigotry. Space bigotry. I call space bigotry. But my my final line of this, my note for this episode is, I think it's very fitting. There were only four voice actors in this episode, being Ashley Eckstein, Dee Bradley Baker, Dave Filoni, and Sam Witwer. Dave is, of course, the creator of the series, along with George Lucas. Rex and Ahsoka are two of the main characters. And this is also the series that redefined Maul. He was just some dude in episode one, but this series defined him as a character. And I thought that was very fitting that the four people that really changed, like the Clone Wars really super established with Dave, the creator, and then Rex, Ahsoka, and Maul, they got to be the four people in the final episode. I just thought that was a very fitting moment. Kind of. It'll be really interesting if Dee Bradley Baker ever runs into, um, the, the actor who plays Boba Fett. Oh, they having conventions. Because they're, they are like... of them. Yeah, like, Bra- uh, Bradley like Baker's the guy who played, like, who who is the voice of all, every single clone. And he's the guy who's the, the body of every single clone. And it's just, it's funny. Like in episode two and three, he was basically, the, they just used his CG model for every single clone. Yeah, um, and there's also, um, oh, what's his name? He played Boba Fett in the original in Return of the Jedi. What is his name? Yeah. What is his name? Yeah, I'm talking about the guy who's playing Boba Fett who played Jango Fett. No, he did play Boba Fett. That's right, he did. He played, yeah, uh, no, he played Django Fett. He played Django. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he played Django. Um, it's Tamara Morrison, but who played you? Who played Boba Fett in the original? Oh my god, my brain brain. I can never remember his name either because I don't care and I've heard he's a jerk. <laughs> I've heard he's kind of an arrogant arrogant prick. So Jeremy Bullock. I don't there care. You go. And I and he and like he didn't bring much to Boba, Boba Fett anyway. He his costume was awesome. You literally could have put almost anybody into Boba Fett. And, yeah, Jeremy uh, Jeremy Bullock. Um, there, Jeremy there Bullock. Been... It, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like um, the guy who played Darth Maul, who was a martial arts fighter, you know, or anything like that. I think he was. I think he was a stuntman. He was. Type guy, but it didn't really, you know, his body language wasn't anything special. Yeah, and then he released revenge porn, and he's a dick. Anyway, the reason I brought this up was um to just to say like uh because you were saying like i would love to see these people they have been in the same room together there's photos of d bradley baker with tamara morrison there's photos with him with jeremy bullock there's photos of him with daniel logan who did play young Boba. so like there is <laughs> it's happened yeah so, but that's all i have i don't have anything else um i will say because i'm about to address this in my final thoughts that out of the four Siege of Mandalore episodes, this is my least favorite, but it has nothing to do with, like, it being bad. It's just that it's just wrapping everything up, unlike the others, which are, like, story right. meatiness and character right. meatiness. This, so. is, this, is, this is all just the action to to tidy it all up and uh, mm-hmm. 
and yeah, uh, same. I barely had any notes. Yeah, so, um, well, I guess if I'm wrapping it up, I'll start for once on this. Um, yeah, but it, it's so emotional, and it's it's just such a perfect ending for the show. There should be nothing happy about anything happening. <laughs> and it's heart-wrenching, and it's tragic, and it's gorgeous. The music, the imagery, the symbolism, like the, the everything, the storytelling. The fact that the last, like, seven minutes is is dialogue less there's no dialogue like it's it's gorgeous i i give it a 9.5 out of 10 wow i'm i'm giving it a 10 out of 10 i think that's kind of predictable yeah i loved it love it love it love it i yeah i um i i like phantom apprentice more (laughs) i like shattered more and it just comes down to story meatiness you know i'm i i have a feeling over the years i'm gonna bounce all around i have a feeling over the as time goes by, I'm going to treat this as a movie and watch it all at once whenever I watch it. Yep, That's I think so. So, so I've never, you know, I, I probably won't put too much thought into which episode because I'll probably by that time the file I'll have will I mean, be just one big one big cut of it. If we did, um, if we had to re-rank our Star Wars movies like we did in our 200th episode, which you can hear, you know, uh, the Clone Wars movie was my second favorite movie. This would be tied with it because I think this ties in so beautifully with the Clone Wars movie, and it's a movie. This is my second favorite Star Wars movie, hands down. It might actually in time become my favorite Star Wars movie Mm. (laughs) in time because I love, you know, I love Rogue One. Like, Rogue One's my favorite Star Wars movie. But the more I sit with this, like this, this means more to this me. This one's packed. This it one's means, packed. And emotionally, it means so much to me. And, and like this, emotionally. This, this, this in episode three, and this is more deftly, deftly executed, are like the most emotionally packed Star Wars movies that exist, you know? I think, you know, yeah. stuff of stuff happening. <laughs> And uh, I mean, yeah, this one is just, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our episode on the wings of Kiradax. Take it Seems away. Seems so long ago. <laughs> it was like it was like four weeks ago. I know. <laughs> like actually, maybe maybe a touch longer. It was like five five six weeks ago. Yeah, we there's. There was a before the election, before you know, spike in coronavirus, spiking so long ago. Anyway, this one comes from Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. yeah. First time I saw this, I suspected Echo's smile was sinister and thought he was working for the separatists. And I think another podcast I was listening to thought the same. Seeing this again a second time, knowing he does not betray them, I realize it's more of a wary, disappointed, now what am I going to do with my life smile. That's what I said. <laughs> I know all about those smiles. Interesting how many ways it can go. Oh, yeah. Possibly he was thinking, I cannot wait to get drunk again with the dirty Yoda. Of whoop, course. Whoop. Wonder if Yoda stops by the clone bar once in a while? Challenge me at Sabak, do you? That's of course if they play Sabak, 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 Sabak in the clone bar. Yeah, I'm sure they do. 
And I I don't think anybody would play a gambling game with Yoda because they, I wouldn't trust Yoda in a gambling game. But they definitely they definitely drink with Yoda, and you know Yoda's at the clone bar. Just like that, every once in a while, a clone's drunk and he's like, "Why am I walking funny?" He looks down, Yoda's just like hanging on to his foot, like riding his foot like a little toddler. There we go. Hello. Hanging out with Yoda. Yoda sounds. DJ Yoda in the house. Anyway, candy. <laughs> so, I need some candy. To eat our feelings away. Ugh, ugh, okay. So, uh... What have left, even? I have a double late... Yeah, double. that's about it, right? And then uh, I have two Kit Kats left. But it's okay, we're about to go into our commentary, so... Oh, hey, yeah. I And Dario is back flying in a plane, so... We have time. So if you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weirdo. So our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world to review. And where is this one from? <laughs> oh, what is it? oh the, the Cote d'Or bar is from Belgium. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, shit. No. Oh, God. I'm knocking things over and hitting my microphone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I actually bought an American Kit Kat the other day at the... At a at a did gas you, station, yeah, it was it? a it was a chocolate mint um, special edition. It? it was pretty good. It the, the chocolate it was more it was, I thought it was going to be like a Girl Scout cookie, but it was more of like you know those Andes, those Andes after dinner mint cookies things mm-hmm. that they used to have that were just like a slab of chocolate and a slab of green minty. That's mm-hmm. sort of what they were more like. This has like. Chocolate, oh, this like, is not what I thought. It, I thought this was going to be super chewy. I, I wasn't sure because I, when I broke it off, I was like, is that peanut butter in the middle? But it's not peanut butter. It's nougat. Nougat. There's nougat I, in the middle. It looked like it was... I, I was thinking it was going to be filled with more caramely gooey. Mmm. Mmm. It's good. It's got a little bit of... It's got like a little thin layer of... of um. Mm. Caramel on one side of it. Does it? Well, maybe not. Maybe it just looks like it. It's hard to tell. It's kind of old. <laughs> but um, they have little elephants pressed into each little bar too, and they're really cute. Um, but the Cote Dior is delicious. Mm. You know what I? It's not. Ex- it's not exactly like it because it's not as melty, mm-hmm. but it reminds me a little. You know, remember you ever had those ice cube? They come in a little. They they're shaped like an ice cube and they're just like little silver. And they they just they're just a little chocolate silver ice cube shaped thing, but they just sort of they just sort of melt in your mouth. No, no. And they have a melty melty chocolate outside and then they have a sort of loose nougat and the like this nougat isn't thick like a snickers bar it's or in chewy it's just sort of like this puffy dry nougat that just sort of melts away nope i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) well thank you daria we love you all right did you have anything else for 
Clone Wars? I do not. All right, well, listeners, we um, <laughs> if our math is correct and we were counting the weeks, we're we're gonna hold off on the season seven recap next week to do one of our commentaries first, which mm-hmm. is the Star Wars Lego Holiday Special that came that is coming out this week on Disney Plus. Yeah, because um, it's gonna be Christmas time that week. We've, if we have counted correctly. If we've, if we've done our calculations correctly. And if not, next week is the season seven wrap up. It's going to be one or the other. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> so, we're going to try to, we're going to try to get you the Christmas, the holiday special by Christmas. I'm, I'm so excited because I, I love the Freemaker Adventures and there's already like a Freemaker joke in the trailer and it feels like the Freemaker Adventures. And if you like this show, Chris, I think you're going to love well, I imagine it's going to be basically that's what it's going to be based on the that 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 show. Probably I, it, not. It, what my think... my my final um my final um um judgment on this show will be, of course, whether or not it contains Mala. Oh, that's true. I've oh, hope whisper- you need to listen. You need to listen to this month's "Eat It and Beat It." Oh, Mala's in it. Oh, Mala. Chris, Chris gets to take a trip. Tri- gets to take a trip to the holodeck and and program whatever he wants in the holodeck. And oh. Mala's there, and Carly Simon's there. It's an adventure. All my a lot of a couple of my friends. Um, I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was Brad from Friends of the Force, which uh, we've been on Friends of the Force before. And as we get into Resistance, Brad and Sarah are already planning on being on our show for us covering yes. Resistance. Yes, oh, you're excited. They are huge Niku fans, so they have already stick, stuck a claim on the Bebo episode. Like that, they're like, I was like, hey, you guys want to be in our Resistance? And they were like, can we do Bebo? <laughs> they they actually interviewed the voice actor of Bebo. Like they love that. They love Niku so much. Um, they also did a really great interview with Josh Brenner, who is the voice of Niku. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, Brad was just watching the holiday special for the first time. And I was like, oh, I remember <laughs> when I was in your shoes. <laughs> it's a rite uh, of passage. You know, I I actually really enjoy it. Like, every time I think back of it, I think on it very fondly. And you know how most people like complain about how like the whole like first like half hour, there's no dialogue. It's just grunting. I realized finally why I was so prepared for that and why it didn't bother me. And you want to know why? Anime? Pokemon, to be more specific. Because in the Pokemon anime, which I grew up with, none of the Pokemon talk except for like one episode where they have subtitles. But for for the majority of it, they just say their names over and over again with like inflection. And you know what they're feeling and you know how they feel and you know what they're going through and you understand. And so I grew up with that. So when I watched like those Wookiees, I was like, I completely understand what's happening every moment at all times. Because even though they're just grunting. Thank you, Pokemon, for preparing me for the holiday special. <laughs> all right, I you guys. The kid that they actually, that Ben Burt had also doctored up a Wookiee language. And that was all that like, you could probably like translate it with uh subtitles if you if if you ever saw ben burt's notes or something in the studio mm-hmm. they probably did um 
But did you have anything else for Clone Wars? We finally, we finished it for good. No, oh my god, that's right. Yeah, no, I guess I don't have anything else for Clone Wars, period. Ugh, ugh. All right, you guys, we'll come back next week, I, either for the Lego Holiday Special or for the Season 7 Wrap-Up, depending on whether or not we counted our weeks and did our math correctly. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, well, actually, first, oh, you, you okay. can find me at oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's our, po- that's our podcast network and our website. Really, Hope's out here. Hope's got a pee or something, or there's a sports I'm tired. Table. I want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try to make it quick. You can go to TutuFreaks.com. That's our website. And you can sign up for all our myriad of podcasts there, including this one. We are also on Facebook at the Two True Freaks Podcast and the Two True Freaks Cantina. And we are also on Twitter, which is and our Twitter feed is, is Two True Freaks. And it's run by Gene, Gene the Landing, another licensed comic book machine. Oh! Oh, yeah, Gene, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't know how much of it I'm, I should say at this point because it's, it's not, I, I don't like to say till it's a done, done deal. But, um, yeah, it looks like uh, Gene wrote up a proposal, approached a, uh, a uh, comic book author about adapting one of their works, and was met with enthusiasm and a green light. So. We're going to be adapting another uh, comic book. Awesome! Like, we're lining them up. Lining them up. That's so, awesome. yeah. Good work, Gene. Gene. Yep. He's also Gene Gene the writing machine because he's writing the scripts. Better Gene than me. Anyway, where can they find you, Hope? <laughs> You can find me at JGuysAndJedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinax. Of course, I have my website, GeekyGirlExperience.com, where I write reviews and uh, all sorts of things. And I just opened a second shop over there that has some Star Wars items. So if you go to GeekyGirlExperience.com and hit the Shops button that's uh, at the top of the page, you'll be able to see my shops over there, including uh, my Etsy and my Redbubble store. But there's also, Chris and I has another podcast. And it's called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. And let's say I'm saying we're about two thirds of the way through Gravity Falls season two right now. We're starting to inch towards the end at this point. Um, and we're having a really good time over there. And as soon as we finish up Gravity Falls, we will be starting Avatar The Last Airbender, which also has Clone Wars roots with God, like Justin Ridge and one Carlo Volpe and of course Dave Filoni, like all of them worked on Clone Wars and on Avatar and we're really excited about that. So That means we're probably going to have an Avatar The Last Airbender, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, I have never seen it. That's what I'm saying. We should have a uh, we should we should do a commentary during one of the the holidays I'm, for that. I cause... yeah, probably between definitely between. Um, I almost would want to um, because I think if I remember, and then, like I said, I haven't seen it yet. I think the movie is based on season one. If I I, I, I think if you watched it the first time for the commentary, it, either way would be fun because it would just be your head exploding. It would be my head exploding too because I would actually have watched the 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 original show because I watched it without ever see knowing anything about any of it. Oh, that's I just, funny. 
I just watched it on a whim. I was like, okay, let's just watch this randomly. And I enjoyed it in a train crash manner. But I knew that it was... I knew that I was watching a butchery of of, of a dearly beloved work to s- somebody else. So I was just like, ooh, you know, I'm glad... I don't know what's going on here. I, I will never forget. viewing of it may be very different. But if you view it first, you'll you'll come into it with notes. And it, it might be a more... It might be more technical. The first one might... It, like... If it was, it might, if, if you go in cold, it might just be you and me going like, oh, God, they, oh. Uh, yeah, because I've heard so many things, and, like, um, I know it's also young Dev Patel playing, I think, Zuko, and I, I love Dev Patel as an actor. Um, so a funny little story, though, my uh, my buddy Bill, uh, who, who I've known a very long time, he actually saw that movie first, and he did not know at all there was a show. He just saw, just watched the movie. And so he was like, yeah, this is fine. Like, you know, it's a little hokey here and there and corny. Yeah, it's and then, hokey, forgettable, but doofy, and it had, a, and it was just is, bizarre. Is then, it was bizarre but he actually genuinely never... liked it. He genuinely liked it for the most part. He was like, I enjoyed watching the movie. I thought it was fun. And then he found out there was a show, and he was like, why is this show based on the movie? And I was like, Bill, it's the other way around. And he was very adamant about not watching the cartoon, like the original show, because he liked the movie. And eventually he caved in and like watched the show and he fell in love with the show and he was like, oh my God, the movie's shit. But there was like a two year period there where he refused to watch Avatar because well, he was defending Well, that's the, the thing movie. is that it was, it was one of those things. If it was something M. Night Shyamalan thought of all by himself, and I know we're, we're you're, you're trying to get to bed here, but... You know, if it was one of those things he thought of all by himself, I'd give it a lot. I'd be like, I really like this movie because it was, yeah. it would have been totally, it was, it's still very like technically, writingly, act, like, okay, the actor you mentioned, um, I know who you're talking about. He's a really good actor and he's actually not bad in this. He's actually, yeah, he's I hear, actually I hear good, but he's just really very good mis- as Zuko in a very he, terrible movie. <laughs> he's not, he's not cast correctly and he's trying to do something with it to make it seem like he's the right guy for that character and he's trying to nuance it and he somewhat succeeds to it but it's still it seems like an odd it's a weird odd fit sort of thing but like there's all like if 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 i didn't know it was based on a property i would have been like yeah, you know, I enjoy that that M Night Shyamalan felt free enough to just like get this experimental with a movie, and it and it just sort of rolls along in its own sort of weird, stilted way, but it's not boring. But it yeah. would be that would be it would be a fun and and it'll be really fun for me because I will now know what <laughs> what it's. I will be able to pinpoint what it's getting wrong with the story, you know, as a in in regard to the actual story rather than just like the mechanics of film storytelling, because <laughs> it gets a lot of stuff wrong with that too, you know. Yeah, and full disclosure, I honestly just want to watch the new episode of Ducktales before I go to bed. So. <laughs> oh. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Because I I hear um, they have uh, it's fun. I can't wait for us to watch DuckTales, oh my god. Actually, there was uh, some whispers of a possible new series, DuckTales podcast, and Two True Freaks. 
Oh. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't. I know uh, Aaron Henley, but I, oh, I forgot what was he talking to Dario? Oh, who was he talking to? I don't think it was Dario. Um. Oh God, who was it? Was it Paul? God damn it, I can't remember. But because uh, I was like, I I don't I couldn't do this weekly, but I will be a guest. And they were like, we were really hoping you would do this. And I was like, of course, because I love the new Ducktales. Oh my God, who was it? Oh, I had to go back through like. Like, like two weeks worth of, uh, like, Facebook messages. <laughs> but, uh, there's a couple people whispering about wanting Talking to... Talking about... Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's see if I can... God forbid we have another animation podcast. And, and that was actually why I was like, I wouldn't want to do this, um, weekly, because I plan to do it on our show at some point. Um, but I would be... Uh, yeah, but but the 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 thing about that is with with by the time <laughs> we get to Ducktales, yeah, they'll be done with Ducktales. It was Patrick but... Delmore. It was Patrick Delmore ah, okay. uh, and Aaron Henley. We're both like we kind of want to do this. Um, I wish our podcast about that had survived. Well, we only did the first episode. We could always do it again in order with the same Duck Potter Ducktales. And Patrick said, "I am so very down with that." And I said, "I will be into it." And he said. So yeah, um, Aaron. It looks like Aaron and Patrick are possibly talking about doing a new series, Ducktail podcast. Which I'd be, guys, if yeah, I'm, I'm here. I would love to talk about it with you because I have a lot of feelings about the new series of Ducktales, <laughs> which I want to go watch. So bye, guys. All right, we'll see you <laughs> next week. Possibly for Christmas, maybe, maybe. Either for Christmas or for the wrap up. Either oh, you're God, either getting we're... Christmas or, or you're either getting Life Day or a Rex Volution. So either say, one's a I, present. Either way, it's gonna be. Yeah, I was just about to say the exact same thing. Either way, your stocking's <laughs> getting stuffed. Oh, all right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
Yoda will never leave. <laughs> 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 